All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jim, for the introduction. And I know that he was listening when I told him my testimony a couple years ago, because I'm amazed that you remember all of those things. Omaha, Nebraska, Hamilton, New Jersey, Cal Poly. So thanks for listening, Jim. Um, and if this is my first time at Home Builders, can I get one of those Cafe Four cards? Uh, this isn't really my first time. I've sat in a, on a few sessions with you guys, and so I feel like I know the community a bit. Uh, as Jim mentioned, I am our pastor of technology at Neighborhood Church. And basically, that boils down to two things. If you can plug it in, or if it's online. If it falls in those two categories, I probably have something to do with it. So our network, our computers, our web page, the member database that we have, media, social media, all these things, I help facilitate those at Neighborhood and really help to make those a tool for life transformation. Um, I was going to share with you my quick bio, but Jim already did that for me, so thank you, Jim. Um, but in a nutshell, that's really, God has brought me back and forth across the country a couple times. He's brought me um, from New Jersey to California, back to New York, back to LA, and then up here. And all these major movements in my life have really been defined by God speaking to me. And one way or another, me listening to what God had to say and acting on that. And so that's what I'm excited to share with you today is some of my story, some of what God has done through me and, and the ways that he's talked to me and, and the things that I've learned in listening to him. Um, before we get into that, let's do a quick icebreaker question, because I know you guys love table questions here. So what is the best story that you have heard recently? Could be a book you've read, it could be one of the testimonies this morning at the baptisms, could be a, a movie, but just in, in a minute or two, what's one of the best stories that you've heard recently? Go ahead. Okay, well my wife and I have just celebrated our 10-year anniversary, 10 years of marriage. And in that time, God has blessed us with three beautiful children. Uh, my son, Bennett, oldest son, he's seven years old. Our daughter, she's five years old. Uh, Elodie is her name. And my youngest is a year and a half. His name is Charlie, and he's a spitfire. This does not stop moving. Um, and when Bennett was young, we started a ritual uh, tradition in our house of telling bedtime stories. I'm sure a lot of people in here have done with their kids over the years. And I thought it would be fun to make my kids the main characters in the story. So we tell stories about the brave Sir Bennett and the Princess Elodie and the, the brave Sir Charlie. And the challenge with making them the character, main characters of the story is now I have to come up with new stories every night that involve my kids. My son, remember, is seven years old. Do you know how many bedtime stories you tell in seven years? 2,555 bedtime stories. That's how many bedtime st stories there are in seven years. So it is really hard for me to come up with 2,500 different bedtime stories for my kids. So a lot of the times I'll just kind of recap what they did that day, or I will, you know, sometimes they just evolve into lists of things that happened to them. And 
I always wait for my kid's response when I'm done with that story. Um, a good part of the time, they're not even listening to me. And so I finish the story and they say, wait, Daddy, what happened? There are other times when I finish the story, and it's probably not one of my best, and I'll finish and they'll say, Daddy, that's it? Uh, but my favorite response for my kids is when I'm done and they look at me and say, oh, no, Daddy, you, it should end this way. Or what if they did this afterwards? And why that blesses my heart as a father is because I know they were listening to that story and they were engaged and they paid attention and then they were invested in that story and they wanted to see an outcome of it. And that's my heart as a father. And I know that the Father's heart for us is to hear him and to hear the story that he's telling in our lives, and through that, to be able to live out that story that he has for us. And so that's what I want to share with us today, is listening to God so that we can live out that story that he's telling in our lives. And by no means have I figured this out. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you this is exactly what you have to do. I'm going to share some of my story and the ways that God has spoken to me and the things that I've learned along the way. And the three main things that I've learned about listening to God are listening is hard. There's no doubt about it. Listening is hard. But God is speaking all the time and in many different ways. And when we can learn to listen and we can learn to hear what God is saying, we have to remember what he has said. That's a very important step. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today, those three things. So why don't I pray for us that God would prepare us to hear what he would have us to hear this morning. So please bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you that you are a God that talks to us. You don't leave us to our own devices to just wander this earth and wonder what to do, but you talk to us all the time. God, please help us to have ears to hear um, and understanding for what you are trying to say to us. Help us to be able to hear your story and the story of our lives that you're trying to tell and to then be able to live out those stories in those lives, in our lives. And just uh, help me to have the words to, to encourage us this morning and, and pray that our hearts will be softened and open to hearing what you have to say. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, listening is hard, right? I have a habit, occasionally, of when my wife and I are having a conversation, my mind will wander. And it could be wondering how I'm going to respond to that email that came through that morning, or it could be wondering when I'm going to get to the yard work that I've been putting off. Um, all these things in life that, that distract us. And so we'll be talking and my mind starts wandering and all of a sudden I notice my wife has stopped talking. And she's giving me that look. What do you think? Oh no. Well, well so I have to think of what she said. I rewind that tape in, that's going in my mind a couple seconds back. And then I just repeat the last sentence that she said and hope that that is enough to answer her question. I don't do this all the time. This is something that happens sometimes. Um, and I'm probably not the only one in the room who does this, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands if you, if you do this. But listening and seeing 
engaged is difficult. And I can't answer my wife's question in those situations because I haven't actually heard what she said. I've listened, I can repeat the words, but I can't do anything about it. Um, the good news is I'm not alone in that. We are not alone in that. Um, in Matthew chapter 13, I don't know if we open Bibles in here, if you just want me to read it, but uh, if you have a Bible, Matthew chapter 13. 13, Matthew 13, right after 12 and right before 14. Um, <laughs> I'm going to read verses 13 through 16, and then we'll, we'll kind of expand the story a little more from there. Um, so this is Jesus talking to the disciples directly. He says, This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. So what's going on here? Jesus has just finished speaking to a multitude of people. It's a crowd so big that he has to get in a boat and go out on the lake so that he can address all of the people. This is a huge crowd. Um, and then it, uh, the, Mark's gospel explains that after the crowd leaves, the disciples go to Jesus to ask them to explain what he, is, he has just said. Um, and one of the things that he has said to the I talked about to that multitude is the parable of the sower, which I'm sure many of us are familiar. Um, you know, sower went out and sowed, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the bird came and, and devoured them. And other seeds fell on rocky ground, but they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up. And he goes on and talks about different soils and um, things that happen to the seeds when you plant them on those different types of soils. And then the disciples come and say, can you explain that to us? We don't understand what you're saying. Um, and Jesus' response is, it's because you hear, but you do not understand. And that word hear in the Greek, and I apologize to anybody who is a Greek scholar in this room, I will completely butcher the pronunciation of these words. Um, but the word Greek is, as I understand it, a-koe, kind of like a-okay a little different, um, and it, it refers to an inner spiritual hearing that comes from faith in God. So he's saying spiritually, it's kind of going in one ear and out the other. You, don't, you have this hearing, you do not understand. That word understand in the Greek, me. again, I apologize if anybody here speaks Greek fluently, um, it's a final and comprehensive summary that leads to life application. So he's saying, Jesus here is saying, you have heard, but you don't understand what I'm saying. And it hasn't become such a part of your being that it really changes the way that you live your life. And then he goes on to explain to the disciples what he's saying in that parable. And he talks about the rocky ground are the ones who hear the word and immediately receive it 
with joy, but there's no root. So the birds come and take it away and talks about, um, and just unpacks what those different types of soil are. And that's not the point here is what the parable is, but the point is those few verses where he says, you hear, but you do not understand. So listening is hard. We, we acknowledge that, we admit that. So, but we also know that we want to hear what God is saying. So we have to work to strive to hear what God is saying. And in this quick example, there's a couple takeaways for me. Is one is the disciples went to Jesus. After the crowd had left, they went and sought out Jesus. Um, that's what it says in verse 10. The disciples came and said to him, so we have to go to Jesus. Listening to God is not a passive activity. It's not something that's going to happen if we're just watching TV or driving around in our car. We have to be intentional about seeking God and, and trying to hear what he has to say. The disciples waited for the crowd to leave, and then they sought Jesus in a small and quiet setting. So we need to seek Jesus in a quiet setting. We need to get away from the distractions of life, whatever those crowds are in our lives. They might be work, they might be family, they might be kids, they could be neighbors, it could be any of these things um, that distract us from, from having real communication, real uh, commune with God. And so we have to get away from that. That's what Jesus did. We have that example of Jesus in the garden, getting up early in the morning and going and spending time with the Father. So listening is hard, but we can do things to make it easier for us. We can have a quiet place. We can um, be intentional about listening with God. And then we'll start learning to hear what God has to say. Um, so let's take a couple minutes and just talk about what makes listening hard in our lives. We'll take two minutes and discuss that at our, at our table. So we said, listening is hard. But there are ways that we can prepare ourselves to listen. There's ways we can get ready and we can actively seek out God and actively listen to what he's saying. Um, and the good news is, God is speaking. So when we get to that point of listening, God will be speaking to us. Uh, Jim mentioned a little bit about kind of my story, and as I said, all of these major movements are marked by God speaking to me. I did grow up in New Jersey from about age 1 to 18, so all of my uh, young life was spent in New Jersey. And when I was 18, my family relocated to the Bay Area. This was right when I was graduating high school and starting to apply to colleges, figuring out what to do with my life. And I was dead set against California. I had grown up in New Jersey. All my friends were in New Jersey. Everything I knew in my life was in New Jersey. Why would I want to leave that and go 3,000 miles away and start over again? And it just wasn't what I wanted to do when I was 17 and 18 years old. My parents said, no, you are coming to California. There is no way that we're leaving you behind and bringing our whole family out to California without you. And so that was a cause for tension in our household at that time. Um, I didn't become a, a Christian until I was 17. I, so I was about a year into my faith. My, uh, I came to Christ through some friends at my school who went to a, 
a really quaint little Baptist church in New Jersey, and a neat little church. Um, so this just added to the tension in, in my household. But through talking to wise and godly people, the youth pastor, um, my friends who were wise beyond their years, God told me that I needed to submit to my parents and I needed to agree to come to California with them. And that changed everything for me. Coming to California, I, we came out a couple times to scout out colleges and look at the Bay Area. So we, one of these trips, my father and I had come out together and we had some plans to see some colleges, uh, UC Berkeley, Stanford, Cal Poly down in San Luis Obispo. Um, we were thinking about going all the way down to San Diego at the time. Uh, we didn't make it that far. And I remember sitting in the hotel and sitting by the pool with some other kids who were on that same trip, not with us, but they were there with their families visiting schools. And we were just talking about what these schools were like in the Bay Area. And I remember two of the kids saying how excited they were to go to Berkeley in the fall because they were going to party and they were going to smoke pot and they were going to do all these things that as a believer of 12 months was really scary and really overwhelming. And so we canceled our visit to to Berkeley. I said, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> and God spoke to me through those kids at, at the pool that day and said, no, you're not going to Berkeley. We went down to Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo and I fell in love with the campus there, fell in love with the town there. Anybody has been to San Luis or the Central Coast, you know what I'm talking about. It is a little slice of heaven here on earth. Um, and I applied as a chemistry major, was accepted, and within that first quarter, maybe quarter and a half at Cal Poly, God spoke to me again. And he said, get out of chemistry. That's not where I have you. And you should pursue your passion. And that's music. I'd been playing music since I was in the third grade. Uh, from fourth grade up until today, I've played trombone. Um, I've had a you know, chance to play in the outreaches here and, and to be part of the, the ministry here, and it's been a, a huge blessing. Uh, music has been an enormous part of my life growing up. My father and I, listen, I have really fond memories of just listening to music with him in our living room on his hi-fi system. And all that to say, it was just a, a huge part of my life. And God said, I want you to pursue that. That's what I want you to do, to drop chemistry and apply audition in the music department. And so I did. And there have been so many blessings that have come with, with that move. Um, and the biggest one came the first day of my sophomore year in college. I walk into one of the mandatory classes that we have, and sitting there in the class is uh, a young woman who... I had seen at church a few times, and you know, I thought she was really pretty, but I thought, you know, she's probably like a pastor's wife or something. Um, and so when I saw her sitting in the classroom, I was so excited. I said, thank you, God. <laughs> and then it took a while for me to, to realize that I actually had, really had real feelings for her. 
and we dated for four years and um, through college and a couple years afterwards, and then eventually we were married, and that's my wife, who we just got to celebrate 10 years of marriage together. And so through listening to God in that time and stepping out of the comfort zone of chemistry, which was a very safe and easy thing for me to do, and go to the music department, which was all performance-driven. You had to continually apply and audition, and nothing was guaranteed from one quarter to the next, and you had to continue to grow and learn and really work hard. Um, as much as I love music and I feel gifted in it, it wasn't a natural talent for me necessarily. But God used that to, to start our family, to start my marriage and, and those three kids that we talked about. And then after college, we moved to New York, my wife and I, uh, about seven or eight months after we got married, so I could go to grad school. And I studied music engineering there. So it was kind of a mix of live and studio recording, a lot of things that happen here, and the actual engineering that happens behind the scenes. So writing code and doing things um, with what happens with the music once it's on a computer. I got to work in some fantastic recording studios in New York with some of the, literally some of the people who wrote the book in the industry. Um, and then from there, God brought us to, back to California. We got pregnant right before I graduated. So we decided, let's go back and raise our kids near the family. And we moved down to LA because I wanted to work in the music business and you have to be in LA to do that. And I tried that for a little bit. And this was right when the recording studio scene was starting to crumble. So I worked a little bit in Hollywood, but mostly I was working live events, uh, doing lights and sound and video. Again, a lot of the, what happens in the sanctuary here for the outreaches and on Sundays. And was getting pretty good at what I was doing. I was growing a lot, getting new responsibilities, gaining new education, new training, and really starting to kind of make a name for myself in that industry. About five years ago, God brought us up to the Bay Area. I had an opportunity to take a job where I oversaw all of the technical operations for Northern California for one of the largest hotel providers, not largest hotels, but we provided support for multiple hotels. And I think Mark mentioned last week, we had the Ritz-Carlton's in our portfolio and Four Seasons and a lot of very high-end clients, uh, which brought a lot of high-end people there too. And I was the go-to guy in Northern California. If somebody that needed a lot of special care was coming, I would be the one to come and manage that event. And things were going great for me. My ticket was written uh, in this industry. I had, th things were looming. I was really coming into my own, and the sky was the limit for me. And then God spoke to me again. And God said, I want you to take what you've learned here, what you've learned in this industry, and I want you to use it in full-time ministry. And again, that was scary. I had invested many, 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 many thousands of dollars in grad school to do what I was doing. I had invested many, many, many years to get where I was. And a lot of time had gone, a lot of personal time. I had 
you know, sacrifice some family time, some things to, to get to the point where I was. But God had said, it is now time for you to leave that behind and to go into full-time ministry. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about kind of that process in a little bit. But all of these major movements in my life have been articulated by God speaking to me. And there's been a few, few different ways that God has spoken to me, and I believe that God is speaking to all of us. Um, one, I know that God has spoken to me directly, and there is ample evidence of that in the Bible of God speaking directly to his people. Um, my favorite is in First Samuel, a story that a lot of us know. Samuel is a young boy, and he's living with Eli, the priest at that time, and being trained for his duties coming up. And Eli, or, I'm sorry, Samuel is in bed, and he hears, Samuel, Samuel. And he runs into Eli's room and says, Eli, what is it? What, what do you need to say? And Eli, you know, probably woken up by this, says, I wasn't talking to you. Go back to bed. And this scenario repeats a couple times, and then finally Eli gets what's going on. And he says, okay, I'm going to tell you what to do when you go back to bed this time. And then the final time that Samuel hears that, Samuel, Samuel. He says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So God speaks to us directly. And even Samuel had to be taught and, and trained on how to look, hear what God is saying. I think God speaks through other people. Again, there's ample support of that in the Old Testament. We know that there's prophets. We know that there's priests. Um, there are many times in my life where I feel like God has spoken to me through other people. Um, and I think that is supported in 2 Timothy 2.21, where um, it says God will use his people as instruments for noble purposes. And these noble purposes have, have many, uh, look like many different things. And one is speaking God's plan to us. When I was at the hotel, God spoke to those, those boys who wanted to party and told me, it's not Berkeley. Um, God has spoken to me um, in the process of coming to neighborhood through Danny Strange and, and other godly and wise people and just helping guide me through his plan. Um, I think God speaks through the Bible. You know, again, in 2 Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So God is speaking to us through his word. This is part of his revelation to us. Um, and another part of my story, I, I believe that God speaks through his creation. In Psalm 19, I'll just read it for you because it's only a couple short verses. I mean, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. One of the most poignant moments for me in my transition from leaving the workforce into ministry came when I was driving through Palo Alto. I was either heading to or from an event. 
And it was a spring day. It's probably a day very similar to this. Blue skies. I just remember driving up 101 and seeing this cloud formation ahead of me. And like many things that God does, there's been a, there had been a lot of ups and downs in the process of me trying to leave the workforce and come to work at Neighborhood. And I was just fixated on those clouds ahead of me and saying, okay, God has promised me. He's called me out to ministry. So I know he's going to do that. So I just need to hold on to that, just like these clouds in the horizon. I'm just going to keep heading towards that. And, and there's this job at, at Neighborhood that I'm really excited about, and I think this is what's going to happen. That's the way God's going to do it. And then I turn a corner, and what was once a small cloud formation is now consumes the sky. It's beautiful. It's, uh, you know, the white puffy clouds, and the whole sky is just consumed with these. And in that moment, I'm reminded that I had my plans for neighborhood and what I thought God was doing, and I turned the corner, and God reminded me that his plans are so much bigger and so much more powerful than anything I could come up for myself. And that was God speaking to me through his creation. And I don't think God was put those clouds there to tell me a specific message that, no, that's not the job you're going to have. This is the job you're going to have or anything like that. I think what the psalmist is saying and what happened in that moment for me is that because God has weaved his truths in and out of creation, they speak his truths. And so in that time, I wasn't just shown what was happening with neighborhood. I was reminded of who God is. And who God is is somebody who has plans for us. And he has plans to profit and prosper us. And he wants to look out for us. And so by speaking through creation, God reminded me of who he is. And through that, he was able to remind me of his promises. So these are just a few of the ways that God speaks to us. Let's take a couple minutes, two minutes, and just discuss how has God spoken to you. Go for it. So we said, listening is hard, right? And we can learn to listen. We said God is always speaking. And I went through those times and kind of expressed some of the times that I knew that God was speaking to me. And how did I know that God was speaking? Often I didn't in the moment. And it was through looking back and seeing God's plan for my life played out that I could see that God was speaking to me through those boys at the hotel or God was speaking to me through Danny Strange. But the more that I learned when God had spoke to me, it was easier for me to understand when God was speaking to me. Does that make sense? Just like the habit of listening, of getting away, is a practice that we have to work on. I think hearing and understanding God and knowing when he's speaking is a practice that we have to work on. So the, and the more we do it, the more natural it becomes. And then once we hear God speak to us, we have to remember what he has said. I think this is extremely important um, and very hard to do. The Israelites um, were often very forgetful of what God had said and what God had done. Um, a very poignant story of that is when 
After the exodus, the Israelites are standing outside of Canaan. They had just sent in the 12 spies. And they come back and they give their report. And 10 of the spies say, there's giants in the land. And that land consumed its inhabitants. And we'd better go back to Egypt. And then Joshua and Caleb say, God has promised us this land. We should go in and take it. And Israel's response in Numbers 14 Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we we had died, it would have been better, is what they're saying, that we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And then they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. They forgot what God had said. They forgot what God had done. The Israelites had just spent over 400 years in captivity as slaves in Egypt doing hard labor. God used plagues to get them out of Egypt. God parted the Red Sea to give them safety from the Egyptian army. God provided for their needs. He provided water from the rock. He provided manna. He got them to that promised land. And they simply forgot what he had done and what he had said. And what was the result? 40 more years in the wilderness. God said, you are going to wander for 40 more years. And everyone over the age of 20 who's old enough to be part of that congregation, who's old enough to have responsibility, they will die in that wilderness. And they will not see the promised land, except for the two that were faithful to me, Caleb and Joshua. They forgot what God had said. I remember being in the ballroom at the Ritz-Carlton in Lake Tahoe. This is just after it had opened. I had spent about two weeks there for the grand opening. And I was working. And I got a phone call. It was Danny Strange. Hi, Danny. Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. I see. I understand. Well, let me know if something changes. Thanks for calling. Danny had called to let me know that the job that I had been applying for, the one that I was very excited about, wasn't going to happen. And there were a number of reasons behind that, some that were very frustrating and some that I could understand. And so I called my wife from that same ballroom. We were hundreds of miles apart. I had just spent a couple weeks up there. I was lonely, away from my wife, away from my family, from my community. And I just remember talking to my wife very heavy-hearted about that phone call that I just had with Danny Strange. And through the course of that phone call, God just reminded me of what he had said. He said, I am bringing you to Neighborhood Church. Remember when I showed you that you had a plan, but I have one that's much better for you? He reminded me of what he had said. And while it wasn't easy to hold on to that, it was very important for me during those ups and downs to really hold on to what God has said 
and that helped me through those down times. And so, like any good preacher, I've got four R's for us to remember on, on remembering God. The first one, forgive me, is not an R. It's write it down. I think it is so key to write down what God has said to us, whether it's in a journal, whether it's in your Bible. Write it down. Put a date next to it. Then reread it. Go back and remember what God has said. And then you can rejoice while God is doing it and say, I don't know how he's doing this, but he has done it. Or he has promised he's doing it. So I'm going to rejoice that this is what God is doing. And then when he has completed that work, you can rejoice in what he has done. And I would say go back and write that in your journal or in your Bible or wherever you're writing down what God has promised you. And put the date there. Because you'll start to see God making promises and God answering promises. And God making promises and God answering promises. And then just like that habit of listening and hearing, you'll start to understand when God is making promises. And you'll be able to remember and keep that faith of what God is, is saying. So we're running out on time here. I'm going to skip the last discussion question. But, you know, on your way home, just if, if you're married, if you have a spouse or, or a loved one with you or, or friends, um, just talk about how you remember what God has said. What do you do? Do you write it down? Do you um, share it with people? Just take that discussion question for the car ride home. So... We talked about listening is hard, but God is speaking, and we need to remember what he has said. So what does that look like when you put it all together? Um, real quickly, Joshua is what it looks like when you put it all together. Because it's certainly not me. I don't have it all together. Um, and I don't think Joshua did either, but this is a great story. Um, Joshua chapter 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the sun going toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. That's a man who listened to God. That's a man who remembered what God said. And through that, that's a man that God brought into his promised land, who was able to complete the story that he was telling Joshua's life. And those are the promises that, that Joshua got from, from God. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. That's what God wants for us. That's what I want for us. That's what I want for myself, and I'm sure all of us want for ourselves here. So that's the goal. Amen? All right, let me pray for us.